Welcome to the Love Before 100 podcast. I'm Rachel Birch, and I'm here because everyone says dating in your 40s sucks. So I decided to make a game out of it. Part scavenger hunt, part bucket list. I made a list of all the ways I could meet my person. Then I assigned every task a points value. The goal now, find love before I hit 100. Points or years, whichever comes first. You got me shaking, This week, for our season one season finale, we are crossing off the first item from my newly updated Epic Bucket List 2.0. And that item is going to a cougar bar. And before you get the wrong idea, let me remind you, if you listened to last week's episode, you know I had an epiphany and updated the list. The criteria for new items is things that solicit feelings of adventure, passion, fun, or excitement and that focus on the feelings I want to feel rather than chasing down where my person might be hiding out. Obviously, I don't expect to find them at a cougar bar, or at least I hope not. But I thought it would be fun and definitely an adventure. And to be abundantly clear, I'm going as an observer, not as a cougar. Okay, at this point, I start to wonder, wait, do I have it right about cougars? I assume they're in their 50s and 60s. So I stop and Google, what is a cougar and what is the age range? I am mortified to learn that I technically could qualify as a cougar. It says women in their 40s and 50s. One source even went as low as 35. Sorry, ladies. So even though I do qualify, and I'm glad I didn't know this before I went, I'm not there looking for younger men. I'm there for adventure and to observe the cougars. Okay. Back to the story. So tonight, my friend Kari and I are headed to the most notorious cougar bar in Newport. It's been around forever, like before I was born forever. I've only been there once before, many years ago, but ever since we turned 21 and probably even before that, my high school friends have been going there. I had high expectations for people watching and I was not disappointed. But first, let me tell you about how my day started. It's Thursday, so after my morning walk, it's time to take my trash cans out. As you may recall from last week, my trash can now contains all the memorabilia from my time with Minnesota, the guy I met on the plane. Well, everything except for the Eric Church concert tee. I had decided to keep it and pledge that if it became a reminder of Minnesota, I'd trash it too. As I'm pulling all the memories out to the curb, I hear a voice say, put the concert tee in too. No, I reply sternly. I can handle the concert tee. I go back inside, shower, and get dressed. I decide to wear the concert tee today. I want to see how it feels to wear it. And also, I want to show that voice who's boss. The last time I wore it, a man in Starbucks commented on it and started a conversation with me. Hey, maybe it's at least a good conversation starter. Maybe it will actually help me find my person. I hop in the car. It's time to get my hair done for tonight. Maybe someday. I'll learn how to do it myself. But for now, I love when someone else blows my hair out and puts those beach waves in. It's a vibe. The mall is packed with Christmas and probably Hanukkah shoppers. Since I had found a prime parking spot, I decided to spend some more time at the mall once my hair is done. I head to True Food Kitchen and sit at the bar and have lunch. I notice I'm having trouble eating my salad. Pieces keep falling off the fork and all over the place. I think I spend too much time at home eating alone. 
I realized I need to learn to eat in public better. I practice daintily placing food in my mouth. Note to self, do not order kale salad on a date. It's too unruly. Okay, time to go home and get dressed for tonight. Our reservation isn't until 8.45 because at this place, you need a reservation. Otherwise, it's standing room only. But you also want a late reservation so you can still be sitting when the band starts playing. You need a solid cougar bar strategy when going out in Newport. I pull into my driveway and the trash can catches my eye. On the way home, I had started to think about the concert tee. I mean, it's cute, but is it worth risking holding on to an attachment? I walk over to the trash can. I whip off the shirt. Yes, in the middle of the street and toss it into the can. I say to the trash can, take him. And I walk inside. I put on one of those go-to out and about town outfits I mentioned not fitting well last week. It fits. It's a black see-through top paired with gray jeans and open-toed booties and my short cream-colored peacoat. Although the top is still a little tight, I feel pretty great in this outfit. Confidence will be key when entering the cougar's lair. They can smell fear. You have to approach carefully and with confidence. I grab my earrings and my crown ring catches my eye. I rarely wear it. And the last time I wore it was on my San Jose date with Minnesota. He had asked about it on the train and I said I wore it as a reminder to behave myself and to be a queen. He had laughed. I don't need the reminder to be a queen anymore, but I wanted to have a new last time I wore it memory. I slide it on my right ring finger. I text my friend Kari. She's my wingwoman for the evening. Kari is a close friend, a longtime client, and a fan of the podcast. She's the perfect person to spend the evening with. Because even if I don't find a guy, or especially if I don't find a guy, I love spending time with her. She makes me laugh until I cry, and I always have a blast with her. I tell her to meet me at a hotel in Newport first. We're going to the hotel that the Valley Parker works at, the one I mentioned in the One Night Stand episode. I'm freaking out. Will I even recognize him? Will I say something? In this moment, I'm not interested in pursuing anything with the guy. I just think it would be fun to start the night with some flirty banter. I pull up and some young kid is there. It's not my guy. Ugh, fail. But I didn't just pick this place because of the Valley Parker. I picked it because I was craving the steak dish that I had had the last time I was there. And even though we have dinner reservations at the Cougar Bar, I figured I'll make it work. I sit at the bar and ask about the salted steak dish. Bartender shrugs and says he doesn't know what I'm talking about. He asks the manager, who was super rude, and he doesn't know either. I'm trying not to let all this failure get me down. I order the vegetable crudite to share with Kari, and I tell him that I have a friend joining me and will order drinks when she arrives. Then I sit there pretty much twiddling my thumbs. I realize the new and improved me is kind of boring. No desire to hit on people or even start a conversation for the 100 conversation challenge. I'm trying to be more in the feminine energy of magnetizing and letting things happen versus the masculine energy of making it happen and doing. I'm listening to the bartender talk to the couple next to me. They say they're up visiting from San Diego. The bartender is excited. He's from San Diego. They're considering moving to Newport. He says the only thing that makes Newport any better than San Diego is its proximity to LA. He says the people here are the worst. Hey, dude, you're not that great yourself. I mean, I agree with him, but how dare he? 
I think it's that concept of having an annoying family member that you're allowed to think is annoying. But if someone else outside the family says they're annoying, you're ready to fight them. You know what I mean? And then behind me, I can hear a man sharing a story with two other men about a stainless steel watch he bought some time ago. Apparently, they discontinued it. And now it's worth some crazy amount. I thought I heard him say $300,000. He says, I just wanted a stainless steel watch. I wasn't buying it for an investment. And the table next to them, there's a guy who's just loudly shouting at the football game that's on. We're in a pretty nice restaurant that just happens to have a TV. It's not a sports bar. This is not the vibe. Kari shows up and she looks gorgeous. First of all, she's like 10 feet tall. She has long brown hair and a thick natural gray streak in the front. She has a black dress on and tall black boots. A little something for the season finale, she says, placing a Hanukkah gift bag down on the bar. Maybe you can use them tonight. Hopefully you don't have these already. I'm intrigued, but I wait to open until we order and are settled. The crudite comes and it's tiny. Like, it looks like it could be garnish. I've seen garnish for a Bloody Mary more substantial than this. There are two tiny little carrots, which are probably the length of a dime with long green stems. It's like crudite art. I'm not digging. I'm starving. I order a glass of champagne and Kari gets the guava margarita. I open my gift. Kari has brought me a pair of black crotchless lace panties. Um, no, I do not have these already, but thank you very much. Kari toasts to them being used. I stop and ask, these are used? Is this like the new something borrowed? She laughs. No, here's to you getting to use them. Oh, okay. Phew. I check the time and it's time to move on to our next destination. We walk out to the valet and a handsome guy is getting out of his car with a suitcase. It appears he's checking in. I say to Kari, he's cute, but look at those boots. Once he has all his stuff together, he walks past us and into the hotel. He's checking out Kari, of course. For a second, I question whether having a gorgeous wing woman was my best idea. Once our cars pull around, we drive to the Cougar Bar. There's parking directly in front, so I start to worry maybe it'll be empty. Nope. We walk in, and it's packed. There are many holiday parties, lots of people in Santa hats and holiday sweaters. And then there's also groups of friends. It's not just female cougars. It's male cougars, too. What do you call male cougars? Oh, yeah. I think it's just men. So, as it turns out, when I googled cougars, I learned there actually is a term for male cougars. Are you ready for this? Manthers. It's manthers. <laughs> they seat us in a booth directly across from two tables of manthers. These men are easily in their late 50s or 60s. A man in the corner booth is hugging on and spanking a very young blonde woman wearing a short leather skirt and a Santa hat. Next to us, there's a table of women in pleather pants, sequins, and faux fur. It's loud, and the band is starting to set up. Kari and I order drinks and some appetizers. I tell her, we have to pace ourselves. Don't order your dinner yet. We want to keep this table as long as possible. This is part of the Cougar Bar strategy. It's almost too loud to hold a conversation. We try anyway. So here's the thing about Kari. She's lived this podcast real time with me. She was one of the friends I originally told about Minnesota while it was happening. She was also actually at the comedy show that happened the day after our first date. Kari's actually been to almost every single one of my comedy shows. 
even when it's the same material over and over and over again. I'm lucky to have people in my life who support me so fully. It's something I'd like in a partner. And in the meantime, I don't take for granted those who show up when they could be doing so many other things. Kari has five kids, a successful home-based business, rental properties, and a loving husband. Trust me, she has way better things to do on a Thursday night than cruise a cougar bar with me. Kari turns to me and asks, do you think you'll just meet him randomly? I reply, no, I don't think I'll meet anyone anymore. I say, I think I push people away. Even though I feel like I got past that, like maybe I come off as standoffish. She looks at me and says, oh, you definitely do. What? I say to her. She responds, hey, if your friends can't tell you, you're not standoffish. I'd say protective. Okay, so she's right about that. I am protective of my heart, of my safety. I mean, hello, no one finds out my last name and I only use a Google phone number for dating. I guess that kind of sets things up to be at a distance. I tell her, yeah, the fireman said I was hard to read. Oh yeah, what happened with the fireman, she asks. Well, on our last date, we went to get a drink. He had had a hard week and asked if I could pick the place. I found a wine bar. It wasn't a place I'd been before, but seemed to have nice ambiance. I wasn't really thinking about food since we said we were just doing drinks, but we were having a great time and decided to order food. He ordered the steak tartare. As we were waiting, he said he was really excited for his steak. I said, you got the tartare, right? He was surprised when it came. I think he was expecting a filet. He's told me a couple times that I'm the smartest woman he's ever dated. So maybe he was embarrassed or maybe he doesn't like me without my braces on. But whatever it was, after that fourth date, things kind of trailed off. He'll still text and check in and I reply nicely, but basically I think it's done. The band starts to play. Tennessee whiskey. Oh, I'm excited. This is a good sign. Kari leans over and says, the plastic surgery in this room could pay for an oceanfront mansion. I say, I can smell the desperation in the air. Kari asks, maybe they have hope? I shake my head and say, I see dead people. I feel really sad for some of the people here. I turn around and my eyes land on one lady who looks miserable. Her outfit is festive. Her drink is festive. Her face is dreary. I turn back around. I'm watching the table of guys across from us. The young blonde is going back and forth between the two tables and then goes to dance with the guy who was spanking her earlier. All of a sudden, a guy in a black security shirt comes over. I can't tell if he's actual security or wearing it as a joke. Oop, he's real security and he's kicking the girl out. The men don't want her to leave. A little drama ensues and we have a front row seat. I didn't realize people get kicked out of bars anymore. Shortly thereafter, the men in the corner abandon the booth to move up to the bar. Kari goes to the bathroom and I notice when she comes back that her giant diamond wedding ring is on her right pinky finger. I think it will give us a better chance of you getting hit on, she says. Men are more likely to approach two single women. I laugh, good thinking. Minutes later, a man comes in by himself and takes the corner booth. He's also in his 50s or 60s. He gets two glasses of wine. Our young waitress goes and sits with him. Okay, this is interesting. We watch them for a minute. Then turning back to me, Kari asks, which of all the dates was your favorite? Ugh, I say, honestly, my dates with Minnesota. But after that, probably the dates with the spiritual suitor. I enjoyed the chemistry. Or 
the six mile hike or the angels game with the firemen. And then the guy in Nashville. At the mention of Minnesota, she asks me, from a coach's perspective, what do you think his issue was? Kari is very invested in personal growth. As I mentioned, in addition to being a dear friend, she's also been a client since the beginning of my coaching business. Kari understands the work. I'm not here to diagnose anyone, so I won't get into it. But I tell Kari my thoughts, and then I say, I'm truly grateful for the time I had with Minnesota, and I don't regret any of it. Even though I wasn't ready for it to end, it actually ended at the perfect time because I know I could have easily fallen in love with him. And that would have led to real heartbreak. I say this without crying. That's a first. Plus, I've been drinking. I'm starting to think trashing the memories was the right move. Any remnants of attachment seem to be clearing themselves up. Well, do you have any new guys on the horizon? Not really. Here are my current matches. Look at the chat with this guy. It's the first time I've lied about anything. I told him I was a preschool teacher. Here are a list of his offenses. One, he said, you graduated college when I was a freshman in high school. So I reply and tell him that he might be too young for me then. And he says, I'm 39 years old and I've dated 50 year olds. This is supposed to convince me. Then in an attempt to show me how mature he is, he makes a joke about massages and then brings up neck and butt massages in his next five messages after I ignored it each time. When he asks me out, I tell him that I'm not free until the following week. He says, you just busy with all your other matches? Save some room for the stallion. (laughs) He asks if I enjoy teaching and I say, I do, except during cold and flu season. And he says, I'll protect you, baby girl. Kari asks why I would go out with him. Is it just for the podcast? I've been debating this topic. Am I willing to go on dates just for content? At the moment, I'm leaning no. I scroll through a couple others and then I say, and I have two plumbers. She says, I just heard a podcast on the unassuming seven-figure earners. Plumbers can make good money if they rise up and run their own plumbing company. I tell her, I actually went out with a plumber who owned his own company a couple years ago. I tell her about the one time I was meditating and I heard my guy could be a plumber. So I matched with this guy the same day, right after hearing it in meditation. At the time, I wondered, was it a sign, a premonition? Our first date was interesting. He didn't have much of a sense of humor. He was part of a small religious group. I asked him if it was Scientology, and he said, no, but they were pursuing me pretty hard once. I picked up my phone and whispered into it, guys, he's on to us. He kind of chuckled. At the end of the date, he said he'd like to go out again. I didn't hear from him for like a week or so, so I texted him and just said, I assumed things had changed for him, thanked him and wished him luck. He responded that he wanted to prey on it a bit more and see how he felt about taking me out on a second date. I told him he should trust his intuition. I mean, come on. I want someone who can't wait to see me again, not someone who has to pray about it. It was his first date in I think like 14 years, so I understand, but that was not gonna work. Kari asked to see my profile and just as she's scrolling through my pictures, all of a sudden, one of the manthers from the table across from us, pounces. He approaches, smiling. He slides, uninvited, into the booth next to Kari. He introduces himself. His name is Derek, and he's here with his fraternity brothers. They have a fantasy football league and have been coming here for the past 30 years. It's their annual fantasy football holiday dinner. He's very engaging. He's asking a lot of questions, and he's obviously very interested in Kari. 
His eyes are glued to her. He asks about her gray streak. He tells us, this is his cheers. He points to the table next to us and says, there's one of the real housewives over there sitting with my buddy. He's her CFO. Oh, look at that. There's a reality TV star in the next booth. And we had no idea. The drama and other characters in the bar far outshone her fame. Next, he says, that guy there, he's a two-time Olympic gold medal winner for volleyball. There are so many important people in here. I can see how proud he is of his cheers. I look around. All I see is sequins, Santa hats, and plastic surgery. Derek asks Kari something else, and she responds mentioning her kids. How many kids do you have, he asks. She tells him five. He laughs. He doesn't think she's serious. When she confirms she does in fact have five kids, I watch his eyes flicker to other parts of the room. He says, but you're single. And she replies, no, but Rachel is. He's definitely not interested in me. And the feeling is mutual. I watch his eyes continue to wander to other parts of the bar, obviously looking for his next victim. While he's wrapping up his conversation with Kari, I'm silently observing this, Rachel, not you, you're not the chosen one, story play out yet again. And honestly, this time, I can say it doesn't bother me at all. In fact, all of a sudden, looking around, I finally understand. As Derek walks away, I write my realization in my notes, and then I show it to Kari. She nods. It says, it's not that I'm not good enough for Newport. Newport isn't even close to good enough for me. All this time, I made it about not being chosen. And honestly, if I would have stopped to examine the chooser, I would have realized long ago, I'm just not that interested. All of a sudden, I have a strong urge to leave. I say to Kari, okay, I'm ready to go. I can't stay here one more minute. We walk outside, the cold air hits my face and it goes from deafeningly loud to a low murmur. The bar is right on PCH, so there are a couple cars driving by, and also you can hear the chatter of people in line. There's a line to get in now. I'm shocked. It's 11 p.m. I turn to Kari and say, I think I'm deaf. It was so loud in there. Out of nowhere, a man says to us, was that your first time there? I tell him that I've been here once, but it's Kari's first time. Hmm, who's this? He's handsome with bright blue eyes, thick, dark hair. He's wearing dark jeans, a t-shirt, and a corduroy jacket. Is corduroy still in? I have no idea, but it looks good on him. He asks if we live in the neighborhood. We chat briefly. And he says he was just walking by on his way to meet friends at another restaurant up the street. He says he fears there might be karaoke. Kari suggests, I've got friends in low places, or these boots were made for walking, because there aren't really any high notes. I suggest Sweet Caroline to get the crowd involved but this man and Kari are concerned about Neil Diamond's vocal range. It's been about three minutes. And then he says awkwardly, well, you guys should text me the next time you go out. This is where I'd normally kind of shrink back and wait for him to start talking exclusively to Kari. I know how this goes now and also that it doesn't have any reflection on who I am as a person. And so thankfully, it's not going to bother me. Kari asks him where he normally goes when he goes out, and he says, oh, I don't get out much. I'm usually at home. My ears perk up. I excitedly exclaim, oh, me too. I look out at the street. Okay, I should get your number, I hear him say. And then he looks right at me. It's Rachel, right? 
without missing a beat, Kari quickly says, okay, have a good night. I'll let you guys exchange numbers and walks over to her car. I nervously fumble with my crown ring. I give him my real number and not my Google voice number. He types out a message to me, looks up, smiles and says, it was so nice to meet you. Drive safe. And then he starts to walk up the hill to meet his friends. Then he stops, turns back and says, text me to let me know that you got home safe. I smile and say I will and then rush over and hop in my car. I call Kari and she says, oh my God, I was just about to call you. I gush, what just happened? Like he was just walking by. If we stayed another minute longer inside, we would have missed him. Oh my God, can you believe that just happened? That was magic. I tell Kari that he asked me to text him when I get home. Kari advises, be sure to ask a question. Make sure he has a reason to respond. I mean, he will respond, but make it easy. Okay, note, don't be standoffish. Be open, inviting, but don't need it. When I get home, I wash my face, put my PJs on and slip into bed. My favorite place to be. I pull out my phone and look at the text from him. It reads, Hi, Rachel, it's Ryan. Okay, simple, good start. I text back, made it home safely. You'll have to tell me if you end up karaokeing. He immediately responds with, LOL. I assume that's it for the night, but then 10 minutes later, Just got home, stuck the karaoke. Haha, nice work. You're a smart man. It was a quick escape. Not as loud as quiet woman, at least. You came, you saw, you left. LOL, said hi and left. That was quite the outing, LOL. It was a good brisk walk. Fresh air, exercise, and meeting new people. I'd call it a win. Win-win, I hope. Just too brief meeting you. Wish I'd been able to hang out with you. Yes, I think it's a win-win. I agree. We should remedy that. Oh, yes. That sounds so good. I fall asleep feeling so happy. I sleep in, and when I wake up, I immediately check my phone. Old habits die hard. But I'm thrilled to see a new message notification. I assume it's another text from Ryan. Nope. It reads, Happy Hanukkah, Rachel. Oh, it's the fireman. How sweet is that? I reply, aw, thank you. I miss seeing you. Oh, wow. Okay, now what? I think about what Kari had said and I start to type out, I miss seeing you too. And then add, I just assumed you lost interest in it. No, not at all. Oh, good to hear. I thought the same from you. Let's plan to get together after the holidays. I'd like that. Okay, so I wasn't expecting that either. What a crazy ride it's been. During season one of the podcast, I've matched probably well over 100 guys. Chatted with probably half of those. Gone out on 28 dates with 16 different guys. I've learned something from every interaction and every guy. Something about me, something about dating, something about what I'm looking for or not looking for. I can't believe how much I've grown from this whole process. When I sat down to write episode one, I was determined that this wouldn't be one of those stories where the heroine ends up alone, but in love with herself. I wanted to have both, and I still do. And yet, I've found an even deeper love for myself, one that will form the foundation for my romantic relationship. Speaking of which, my first date with Ryan is already in the works, and the fireman is texting regularly again. If this is how focusing on how I want to feel instead of finding my person works, I'm excited to start knocking things off my epic dating bucket list 2.0 and see where it takes me. 
Well, I hope you loved season one of Love Before 100. If you've enjoyed this season, please consider texting a link to the podcast to a friend who you think could benefit from some laughs or some insight or just knowing that they're not alone on this journey. Meanwhile, I'll be hard at work on season two. See you in 2023.